A very good morning to all of you who are worshiping at 155 Fairway Drive in the parking area and outdoor in the courtyard. A very uh, good morning to those who are watching from live stream from a res uh, respective home. And a uh, very good morning to those who will be watching later on from the recorded sermons and recorded worship joining together in our hearts to praise our Lord. We are so grateful this morning to witness baptism and also so grateful that we, come, we can come together for the Thanksgiving worship. God is with us. God is, uh, God is uh, uh, He reigns. And let us continue the journey strong together. On behalf of all the pastoral staff and the office staff, I just want to wish all of you a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, may God be honored and glorified as we come together to celebrate the Thanksgiving season. Uh, every time when we come together, we must remember to thank the reopening task force for making this worship available and possible for us. All the ushers and traffic controls and security, uh, the check-in counters, the AV teams, especially the AV teams. Without the AV team, there's no outdoor worship. That's how important they are. So just appreciate them when you see them and thank God for their faithfulness and their commitment to sustain the outdoor worship for us and the online worship as well. The uh, worship praise team, week after week, leading us into songs to praise God. And all of you who take the faith to come back and worship together with us here and also online and also uh, through the recording sermons. We are so grateful that our worship uh, goes on despite the COVID-19, despite uh, lockdown and things like that. You know, with a spike uh, in COVID-19 infection, we want to let you know that we will continue to monitor the rate of the infection. Uh, we know that it's all, all, all going north. Uh, we're going to watch the LA County's guideline and we will pay attention to the governor's order if it ever comes to determine if we should close the outdoor worship. But as pastors, we want you to know our position today that we don't want to shut down the outdoor worship unless it is absolutely necessary. We have no intention to shut down the outdoor worship unless it is absolutely necessary. You see, we have followed the guidelines strictly in the spirit of loving our neighbors, respect for the government. We meet outdoor, we put on masks, we keep physical distancing, uh, we have sanitizers, we check temperatures, uh, we have deep cleaning and sanitizing our facility by a professional cleaning company. We use every other parking space. We record our attendance for tracing in case there's infection over here that everybody will be informed. We, we, we have put up more stringent measures than many, many restaurants and grocery shops. And when the restaurants continue to open outdoor, 50% of the capacity. There is no reason that we should close down our outdoor worship, and we have no intention as, as far as we are now. And we will do every means possible within, within respect for our neighbors, within the respect for the government, but more importantly, within the respect for our God, we will carry on the outdoor worship as much as it is possible. And today, in my message, I want to carry on the theme of unity because the first four chapters in the first Corinthians are really focusing on unity. Everything that is being talked about is about unity. And today, I want to share with you two thoughts that will be talked about in chapter 3, verses 1 to 9 of first Corinthians on how to foster church unity. 
and he mentioned about two things uh, in this passage here. First of all, that the spiritual maturity fosters church unity. Spiritual maturity fosters church unity. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. From your devices or from your you know, paper uh, Bible. Okay? It says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I led you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? In the last week, we were preaching on the comparison between Christians and non-Christians. Christians are those with the Holy Spirit in their hearts, and non-Christians are those without the Holy Spirit in their hearts. And when they perceive the cross of Jesus, when they look at the gospel, they look at that from very different perspective. And we expounded for you last Sunday. And today, in this passage here, Paul continues to give comparison, but this time is comparison between two kinds of Christians. Christians who are controlled by the Holy Spirit and those Christians who are not. If you look at verse 1, it says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. He is making a comparison with two kinds of Christians. The spiritual people are those not only having the Holy Spirit in their hearts, but they give in to the control of the Holy Spirit. They let the Spirit take charge in their lives. But the fleshly Christians are Christians who do not follow the impulse, the movements of the Holy Spirit. They, they live by impulses of the flesh. They give in to fleshly desires. And these are the people like the Christians in the church of Corinth. They put down other people to prove their superiority. They are boastful. They say things like, I, I do whatever I want. You know, I feel like, you know, I say whatever I want to, or I am more important to you. Those are the behaviors of the Christians in Corinth who are not giving in to the control of the Holy Spirit. And he continued to say that they are like infants. They are like babies. He said, I fed you with milk and not solid food, for you were not ready for it. So in their former state, they were like babies and infants. They, they drink milk, and they are not ready for solid food. They were immature. Well, that's expected when you are babies, right? But in their current state, they were still the same. He says, but you were not ready. You are not yet ready even now. And verse 3 in the beginning says, because you are still of the flesh. They are still on diapers, even after five years. See, Paul spent about 18 months to build a church, to plant the church, and to build up the Christians there. He left them for about three years and began to write the, the epistle of the first Corinthians. It's been about five years, and nothing has happened with this group of people. Okay? They are still on diapers. They are still eating Gerber baby food. Uh, they are still bicycling on training wheels. They were not able to be strong and independent. It has been a while, but nothing much has happened. 
what are the evidence, what are the evidences that Paul will be showing of their fleshly manifestation? In verses 3 and 4, it says, For while there is jealousy and strife among you, and are you not of the flesh, and behaving only in a human way? When someone says, I follow Paul, and another says, follow Apollo, are you not being merely human? There are four descriptions that Paul was mentioning of the church who are uh, uh, fleshly, manifesting their fleshly desires. First of all, is jealousy. What is jealousy? When you cannot tolerate the success of other people, that's jealousy. And then you strive. What is strife? You try to prove your superiority. That's strife, that I am better than you. Okay? When you behave in a human way, you play politics and you maneuver in a, in a humanistic way just to get what you want. And you are merely human, Paul says. What is merely human? You do whatever is right in your own eyes instead of doing what is right in the eyes of, the God, of God, in the eyes of the Holy Spirit. You know, when you are young and you are having those kind of a behavior, it's called immaturity. And, but when you are babies, when you are kids, you're doing all these things, we call it childish, right? This is how, the, how, how kids bicker against each other, compete against each other. My dad is stronger than your dad. My dad is wiser than your dad. My dad is bigger. My dad is Superman. Well, my dad is Spider-Man. You know, that kind of a foolish, childish way, trying to compete and see who is better. But when you are older, which is the majority of our people here, when you are older and you are still engaged in that kind of a behavior, it is called power struggle. It is called insecurity. You are unsure of yourself. So you have to put down other people to make yourself feel important. You are, it is called projection. Because you have things unresolved in yourself, and when you see it in other people, it disturbs you. Because if things is resolved within you and you see things around you, it doesn't disturb you. But because it is unresolved within you, and when you see it happening or when you see other people, you tend to project your insecurity onto other people in a way of criticism, in a way of accusation, judgment, projection. And it is a way of manifesting stunted growth in our Christian walk. You know, it is sad. But when it happens to Christians, it is in the same spirit that I am better than you. My teacher is more capable. My pastor is a better preacher. My church is more mission-minded than your church. Childish. Paul is basically telling the church in Corinth, do not engage and do not fall into spiritual immaturity, but mature and grow in your Christian faith because it takes spiritual maturity to build unity in a church. You see, unity is a sign of spiritual maturity because only when we are spiritual maturity that we learn how to submit to each other. We learn how to respect authority. We learn how to communicate so that we can hear each other. We learn how to support majority vote that even though my proposal is not being taken, it's not being accepted, maybe I can wait until a year or two later when people are more ready. Those are mature behaviors. 
And those are the things that are fostering unity in the community, in a church. And it takes spiritual maturity to foster unity in a church. And secondly, Paul gives us a second idea, a second way to help us to build unity and foster unity in the church. It is mutual respect. Mutual respect. Verses 5 to 9. Look at your Bible. Let me read to you. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed. As the Lord assigned to each, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. The second way of fostering church unity besides spiritual maturity is mutual respect. Now in verse 5, we begin to get a glimpse of the, the problem in the church in Corinth. What is the main cause of disunity? Look at verse 5. He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. What is the main cause of disunity? The allegiance to the leaders who have led different groups of Corinthians to the Lord. Because God used His servants to lead others to the gospel, and those who are led by this individual pastor or individual leader, they gave the allegiance to the one who caused born-again experience in Christ through them, and they do not respect other leaders. That's the problem. That's the main thing. You see, leading other people to the Lord is a wonderful thing. It's a good thing. But when the good thing was misused, it becomes a problem. That's what happened in a church in Corinth. And for those of you Bible students, when you look at the verse 5 and verses 4 and 5, you look at that, you pay attention because you see what happened. You know, in chapter 1, it mentioned some follow Paul, yeah, and some follow Apollos, but it also mentioned some follow Cephas, which is Peter. What happened to Peter? What, why did he mention Peter? And just focusing on these group, two groups, well, maybe because these two groups are the most contentious ones. These two groups causes the, the biggest struggle in unity in the church of Corinth. So Paul is addressing those who claim to follow Paul and those who claim to follow Apollos and say, hey, people, make peace. Submit to God because we are God's work. We are God's people. So verses 6 to 9, he began to give them teaching on how to give mutual respect to leaders. Let me read to you just to refresh your memory. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, remember, are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Why? For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, and God's building. What is Paul's point? 
He's reminding us, first of all, to appreciate the unique contribution of each leader. There are some who are good at watering, and there are some who are good at planting, but they are unique, their contribution uh, to the church life. But secondly, he reminds them that we need to recognize the indispensable role of each leader because we need those who water and we need those who plant. And God assigned each one of them to do those responsibilities. And those who waters and those who plants are one. They are in unity under God and we need them all. And God rewards each one of them. He rewards those who water and He rewards those who plant. So the main point is we are fellow workers of God. Now we are not equal partners under God. Now we are not equal partners with God. But we are equal partners under God. You see, it is so clearly taught in this passage that God reigns. God reigns supremely in the church because He keeps reminding us that it is God who causes growth, verses 6 and 7. It is God who reward, verse 7 again. We are God's fellow workers, verse 9. And we are God's field, and we are God's building. God reigns. God sovereignty rules over the church, and all the servants of God submit under the sovereignty of God. You know, like the field, you know, in this COVID-19, many of you take up gardening and you can have that experience. You plant and you water, but there's nothing else you can do. You plant the seeds, you water, you put some fertilizer, okay? Then you wait. All you can do is wait. You wait for God's creation to grow the plant. You, you wait for the life in the seeds to begin to emerge. You wait for the sun and the rain and the soil to make things happen, to create that climate for the seeds to grow, for the vegetables to bear fruits. That's what happened. That we can water and we can plant and we can till the ground, but only God grows that fruits and that plants that you have put in your backyard. We are God's field, and we are like a building, okay? Either whether you are in charge of the electrical and plumbing or woodwork or mechanical or masonry, they all work together according to the blueprints of the architect. And if you put it in a church setting, the architect, you know, the pastors, the church leadership, they set a direction, and we all work together in there. But God is the foundation. Without the foundation, everything crumbles, so he reminds them, we are fellow workers of Christ, we are God's field, and we are God's building. And in the following verses, in next week, the pastor will expound more on the building together. So the point is, all Christian leaders are servants of God with equal and significant roles to play. But God plays the most significant role. He causes the church to grow. He causes Christians to grow and deepen our faith in Him. You know, every year we have new officers, but every time in the officer's orientation, as a senior pastor, I often will speak to the new officers. I always remind them, remember Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. 
people under our care, they don't belong to us, they belong to Jesus. We are only being the, the care, taking the, the, their, their spiritual care and, and point them to Jesus and help them to grow in the Lord. Jesus said, faith my sheep. We may have some influence, but God, Jesus, is the ultimate influence. He has the ultimate say. You know, it is so true that during this COVID-19, when the church is scattered on online, and even now as we come back uh, in the outdoor worship, as pastors, we, we learn that, you know, we, we contribute very little to the growth, spiritual growth of church members. We don't stand next to you. We don't sit next to you. You know, we can't, we can't even visit you during a certain weeks. But God's Word, God's Holy Spirit, the power of prayers, and the power of online worship carry your spiritual life for this past nine months. We do our part. We will still care for you. We pray for you, and we do all that we can. But it was God who continued to journey with you, and He will continue to journey with us as we face the future. So in that sense, this is a great reminder for us today. Do not fall into celebrity culture that is so prevalent today. You know, even within the Christian circles, we have people who are more well-known, right? They call it celebrity. They don't want to call themselves celebrity, but others call them celebrity. People like if you are in the NBA, like Jeremy Lin, you know, we mentioned Jeremy Lin, most Chinese churches and most Asian churches and, and many people uh, would know him. And there are some Christians, movie stars and, and singers uh, and, and, and people like that, or even politicians. You know, when they come to our church, who gets the attention? <laughs> people are drawn. Fans ask for autograph and ask for a, a photo opportunity and things like that. You know, oftentimes when celebrity shows up, God is pushed aside. Worship is pushed aside. It's like whole thing shut down for them. You know, they don't want that. If you ask Jeremy Lin, who is a very devoted Christian, coming to church, he just want to worship. <laughs> he hoped that you will spare him alone and not ask for autograph and not, offer, not ask for a picture-taking uh, opportunities. He doesn't want it. He just want to worship. He just want to be a regular Christian worshiping together and follow Jesus. But oftentimes, as fans, as people who are, who are influenced and moved by this culture, they tend to draw crowds, even in worship, even in church. And that's how difficult it is. And sometimes, if God puts you in that position of, of having influence, whether in your company, in your workplace, or, or in, in other cultural expression, remember, as God's people, when we are being put on a ranking, when we are high in a ranking, we need to revert that into a high view of God. And when we receive some fame that other people give to you, you need to redirect that for the glory of God. That's what helps us humble. That's what keeps us in check. That's what reminds us of who we are as a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, when there is no unity, like our country, who has gone through a very polarized process of political campaign and, and presidential election, you know, we tend to feed on what? We feed on junks. We feed on conspiracy theories. We feed on fake news. We feed on inflammatory rhetorics just to get back 
at the other side to garner support for our side. And it will happen in the church the same way. When we do not have unity, church will also feed on conspiracy theories. Theories like, oh, we are second-class citizens. They don't care about mission here. They don't listen to us anymore. Those are conspiracy theories. Fake news. And we feed on those things when there is no unity. And that's why it's so important for Paul to remind the church in Corinth that mutual respect is essential to foster church unity. You know, my message to you today is very simple that I just expounded to you. Pursue spiritual maturity and pursue mutual respect will help us to foster a church that is united under Christ, for we are all fellow servants of God. And today, even as I apply this message to you, I want to apply to three groups of people who are sitting here and who are watching uh, from uh, live streaming and who will be watching in uh, recorded sermons and worship later on. First of all, I want to address all the leaders. Leaders, to foster a church of unity, we need to learn how to respect each other. Among the leaders, respect each other, speak highly of each other and agree to disagree and be fair with each other and acknowledging that, yes, we have strength, but we also have weaknesses. When the leadership are not together, we are giving in and allowing others to find uh, a, a wedge to drive in and to divide us and to look for a spokesperson for your grievances that is in your heart and that will divide us. So leaders, leaders, which, whichever ministry that you are leading, make sure that we respect each other among the leadership and set the example of respecting each other and spiritual growth. Secondly, I'm going to speak to all people, our congregations, uh, that we need to nurture our spiritual life, keep growing in Christ. Do not be a spiritual baby. Continue to grow in the Lord. And we need to respect all leaders, whether they are from the English congregation or Cantonese congregation or Mandarin congregation, whether they are from the youth, whether they are from the elderly groups, we need to respect all leaders and not fall in the trap of the church of Corinth that I, I follow this individual, I follow that individual because he's more gifted, because he has a certain theolog theological direction, a, a, a theological persuasion that is closer to my conviction, to the denial of others. As church members, we need to grow spiritually and respect all leaders. And thirdly, I want to address those who are serving whether you're serving as a pastor, as a deacon, as an officer or Sunday school teachers or counselors or small group leaders, or, or you have led someone to Christ, those who are serving actively in the church, point them to Jesus. Point them whom you care, whom you nurture, whom you disciple, point them to Jesus. I want to remind you that they don't belong to you but they belong to Jesus Christ who gave his life for them by going to the cross and bring forgiveness of sin in their lives and reconcile them with the Heavenly Father 
So they don't, they don't belong to us. We thank God that we play a part in fostering, in helping them, in pointing them to the gospel. We thank God that God allowed us to, to journey with them in discipleship, to help them to be more like Christ, but they don't belong to us. Yes, we have some influence, but you know what? Ultimately, we bring them to Jesus. And to remind them, your loyalty is to Jesus, and I am helping you to seal that loyalty, to confirm that loyalty to Jesus. I am merely a vessel. I am a fellow workers under God to serve you. Point them to Jesus. It is so essential so that our church will be in unity. So as you celebrate Thanksgiving this coming Thursday, I want to encourage each one of you, and if you are having a family, each family, that give thanks for three things. One, thank God. Thank God for who He is. That's number one. Secondly, thank God for a person. Thirdly, thank God for an event. At least three thanksgivings that you can share on that day to make the day of thanksgiving really godly, to make that spiritual impact on the days of thanksgiving. It's more than just turkey and meal. It's more about God because He is the source of all good things to us. And I want to share with you some thoughts that is my personal thanksgiving. You know, I want to thank God for revealing our spiritual condition. I don't know about you, but this past nine months is so revealing. It revealed to me that my faith can be easily shaken. It reveals to me that I need God. It reveals to me that I really need to cherish community and fellowship, and we need each other. It is very revealing when we go through this crisis together. Secondly, I want to thank God for putting our ministry on hold for a while and, and through online worship. That's the time when we begin to ask the questions. Are all this ministry that we have been doing, are they still effective? Do we still want to go on? And if we intend to go on, what improvements do we need to make it more impactful? Because during this nine months, we discover that we need to go back to the basics. It is worship of God. It is prayer. It is the Bible, the Word of God. It is the Holy Spirit. It is our connection that carry us forward. And all other things are icing on the cake. Do we still need them? Yes, we need them, but why? And how do we make it impactful? God really put a pause, put on hold ministries so that we can really evaluate and be more impactful as we serve God. I want to thank God. I want to thank God for the parking spaces that we have so that we can offer outdoor worship. And many churches, they want outdoor worship, but they don't have a parking space, parking lot big enough for them to do that or effective enough for them to do it in a sustainable way. I want to thank God for the faithfulness of our church who gave faithfully for many years and the, the good stewardship in the finance committee is that we built some reserve. So that in a time of crisis, we know that we sit on a reserve that can help us to carry on the ministry of the work. I want to thank God for that new building that we have launched about three years ago. That even as we launched that building, we 
fundraised all the building funds that we need for that building so that during this crisis time, we know that that building can carry on and be completed because the funding are available. I thank God. I thank God for a very united and strong leadership team because we are united and because we are strong. So we are very responsive and we are very decisive. We are able to move to online very quickly and we can also move to outdoor as well, confidently. And I just want to thank all these AV teams and worship praise teams and ushers and traffic control and security and, and all these ministries that is ongoing uh, for this past two months since we have the outdoor worship. Uh, because of all that happening, we are able to see what we see here. But beyond that, beyond church ministry, we thank God that we can open up our church for blood drive and the relief team assembled together, making masks to provide for the first responders, people on the front line. But many ministries carry on. Uh, children's art classes and baptism that we witnessed today. The, the mission boards begin to care for missionaries through Zoom and connections with them. Visitation is an ongoing thing. Visiting the seniors, visiting children, visiting Awana students, and whenever we can. We see salvations. We see salvations in different congregations. And during this time, we celebrate weddings with those who are getting married. We, we grieve together with families who love their loved ones in their memorial services. We journey with those who have illnesses during this time. And we continue to journey with those who feel lonely by calling them, by connecting with them. All of this happenings because God has given us a strong and united leadership and our people respond to the leaders. You guys are so supportive. And I, I just want to reiterate again, you are so affirming during the month of Pastors Appreciation Month that many groups and many individuals through email, uh, through gift cards, and, and through your words of encouragement and sending us cards to encourage us, sending us email to encourage us, we are so grateful. Some of you cook your home cookings and share with us just to encourage the pastor and say, hey, pastor, Keep going, Pastor. Keep going. We are here with you. We are here for you. Let's journey together and build a vibrant church of Jesus Christ. We are so, so grateful. Because during this time, some people said that, well, I don't know what to say for Thanksgiving this year. But when I reflected in my life, there's so much to be thankful for. And even now, as we look at the financial report, you know, our, our donation only dipped 5% compared to last year, before COVID-19. We are minus 5% compared to last year. And you gave faithfully, continue to support the ministry together so that we can upgrade the IT, we can upgrade the Wi-Fi, the AV uh, equipments, the, the lightings are all being changed to LED, you know. Uh, and pastors continue to write devotions and record YouTube devotional messages uh, so that our people can be together as we grow. As I reflected on this past nine months, in fact, many growths are happening, whether individual, family, marriage, uh, uh, and as a church, as a small group. But you know what? The last thing I want to thank God is thank God the crisis will pass. The crisis will pass. And we will journey together in 2021 by faith and not by sight. And as a church, First Chinese Baptist Church Walnut, we are committed to build a vibrant church of disciple makers who loves passionately, who lives authentically, 
who gives generously, who goes courageously for the glory of God, because the best is yet to come. You know why? Because our God reigns. Our God reigns as we face a new year. God is in control, and we can walk by faith and not by sight. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we are so grateful today as we come to the Thanksgiving worship in preparation for our Thanksgiving day on Thursday. We know that we have much to be thankful for because your grace is truly sufficient. Your grace is sufficient for individual, for our church, sufficient for our family, sufficient for our marriage, sufficient for us as we carry on our life, carry on our work, and carry on our ministry. You are so faithful, Lord. So as we come together, give us a grateful heart, but give us faith, build our faith as we face 2021, that our God reigns, and therefore the best is yet to come. So Lord, with anticipation and with gratefulness, we face this week, we come into Thanksgiving, we get ready for Christmas, but together we come together for the glory of God. May you be pleased with our worship, May you be pleased with our ministry, and may you be pleased when our church nurture unity by growing spiritually, but also respecting one another. May you be pleased. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.